There's a group of talented ultra racers from India competing in some of the world's most challenging ultra events, from the Ultra Spice 1000 kilometer in India to the race across America. In today's episode, we'll be hearing from Mayank Tripathi, a young and very competitive racer who recently won the Indian 24-hour virtual time trial championship hosted by the Irregulars through Zwift. In addition to learning about why Mayank is so driven to race indoors, we'll also be discussing all the usual ultra-minded subjects from training to nutrition to racing. I'm your host, Justin Tu. Let's roll. Hey, Ultra family, Justin Tu here, your host of the Ultra Cycling Show. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. We have a very unique cyclist who loves indoor training and riding, believe it or not. And we're here to talk about especially his recent 24-hour indoor virtual victory. So really excited to have Mayank Tripathi on the show today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Justin. Thanks a lot. So there's a lot to cover because you're a unique rider and this is going to be a really fun session because uniquely you enjoy indoor riding on your trainer. Is that correct? Correct. That's correct. And yeah, I was introduced to indoor cycling around two years back. Mm. And yeah, there's something that I like about indoors uh, yeah, and I just got, got hooked on to it. All right, we'll dive into that after a short sprint round of questions. Now, you currently reside in Toronto, Canada, but you're originally from Pune, India. And so let's ask a few questions just to get to know you in a nutshell. You could answer in a few sentences, just a fun way to start and allow us all to kind of get calibrated into who you are as a cyclist. First question, Mayank, how long have you been riding bicycles? Uh, so it has been eight years since I've been cycling. Okay. Competitively, you can say, yeah. Great. Now, how long have you been an ultra cyclist? Uh, a little more than four years. Okay, so half the time. How many bicycles do you own? Uh, I have around four bicycles. Wow. All right. As of now, I just have one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which of those bicycles do you ride the most? Uh, yeah, so I have the road bike. That's what I ride, ride most of the times. Okay, right. And is there a specific bicycle computer that you, that you use, a Garmin, Wahoo? I use a Garmin. Garmin. And what's your favorite ride snack? Uh, my favorite ride snack, I, I love dates. I like to carry dates with me. Okay. Uh, apart from that... Uh, I like I like chocolates. Yeah, I, I have a sweet tooth. <laughs> okay, cool. And the dates of a particular form, like a, in a bar, or literally just raw dates or or pure dates. Just raw dates. Mm. Just raw seedless dates. Oh, okay, very cool. Now, how about your favorite uh, ride hydration? Um, I so I have tested a lot of different brands. And recently, I've started using Scratch Labs. Mm -hmm. uh, it has been six months now. And yeah, I, I really like the taste because it, it's not very overpowering. It's a very subtle taste. And right. uh, it has been giving me a good performance. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, you're actually favorite. the second guest on the show that has mentioned Scratch Labs. 
other than myself. Mm -hmm. I've tried scratch myself as well and do quite enjoy that mm -hmm. subtle flavor also. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Okay, Mayank, when was your last ride and how long was it? Well, the last ride was obviously the 24 hour virtual time trial. And that was 24 hours long. <laughs> I was on the saddle for 23 hours, 46 minutes. So I took around 13 to 14 minutes of off saddle time. Mm, that's excellent. And how long ago was this uh, time trial event? This was on the 15th of August. Okay. So just a couple so, of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. 10 to 11 days back. Awesome. Are you affiliated with any club or team or any kind of group around there in Toronto? Uh, not now, since I've recently come here. It hasn't been even a year. Mm. Uh, but back in Pune, I was part of a team. Uh, that's WSSM. Full form is uh, Western State Sports Management. Cool. So yeah, I was part of a team over there, but not over here. Not yet. Awesome, awesome. And now as a rider, uh, Mayank, do you prefer the climbs, the descents, the rollers, or the flats? Uh, so yeah, I, I, I used to like flats, but that's, it's a funny story. I, I didn't do any climbs for the first two to three years of my cycling because I, I was in a city which was totally flat. Uh, and when I first time I did climbs, like a proper climb, a proper hill, uh, I just fell in love with the whole, the whole climbing thing. And uh, I love climbing. Although I'm a tall rider, mm. I weigh like 72 to 75 kgs. Mm. But still, uh, I, I love climbing. I love attacking the climbs. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my favorite. Very cool. And so, so about 75 kg, so that's around, I think around 165 or so uh, pounds. Pounds, yeah. Right, but you're also tall. Do you know how tall you are in, in feet and inches? Um, six feet, one inch. Oh, okay, okay. So a pretty good yeah. uh, 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 weight there for, for your, uh, your height. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so nowadays I'm around 72. Has gone down until after the event. Okay. So, yeah. so it sounds like you probably have a pretty good power to weight ratio, I'd imagine. How yeah, about I? Yeah. How about your uh, max speed down a hill? Do you know what that is? Uh, my max speed downhill. Uh, I remember touching eighty kilometers an hour. So yeah, that's the max that I've touched. I, I don't try to. I don't like to risk a lot in on the downhills. Mm. So I, I like to be in control all the time. So <laughs> I haven't touched 100 or you know crazy right, right. speeds. Yeah, but now. yet that's still close to 50 miles per hour, I believe. So that that is a, a fast speed. You have to be pretty comfortable with your bike handling. Yeah, to, to yeah. and you, you need to have a good hill, a, a safe right. hill for that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, when do you enjoy riding the most? I know you were in Pune, India before. So mm -hmm. what kind of season, fall, winter, spring, or summer there? And then how about now in Toronto? You've been there for maybe all of the seasons. Yeah. So back in India, uh, so Pune happens to be a city which is uh, like all, all year round, the weather is quite good. It's all mm -hmm. pleasant. It's just that the monsoon weather doesn't let you ride a lot outdoors. So... Mm -hmm like three to four months i would say is is the time when you are not able to ride outdoors otherwise all year round you're, you're good to ride outdoors 
Hmm. How about and in over Toronto? Here, yeah, over here, uh, you can say six months, it's good to ride outdoors. Hmm. It, it's not as bad as people think. Hmm. <laughs> uh, from the month of May till maybe October, it's, it's good to ride outdoors. Hmm. And even a few warm days during the winters as well. Right. Is there a certain time of day that you enjoy riding the most? Uh, so I like to take rest on Mondays just because I do a long ride on Sunday. So I take a break on Mondays and rest all days. I So I, I, I train for six days a week. Mm. And do you enjoy riding more in the morning times and afternoons and the evenings? Yeah, I'm an, I'm an early riser. So <laughs> morning is my time. I like to wake up early and train in the mornings. Right. Now, as an ultra cyclist, do you think ultra cycling requires more physical or mental training? Uh, both, I would say. But it's like even if you don't have that physical strength, you, you can race with your mental strength. Mm. And so I would say mental strength is a must. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have that physical strength, it's okay. But my mental strength is a must. With, without that, your physical strength is of no use. Mm. And in the way of events, I would imagine you've done quite a lot over the last eight years and the last four years in ultra cycling. Mm-hmm. What would you say has been your favorite event? Uh, my favorite event was uh, the one I did in 2019. It's called the Ultra Spice Race. Mm. That's a thousand kilometer ram qualifier. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, I, I had prepared really well for that event and I was able to uh, do it in RQ timings. So that was a memorable event. Our mm. team, like my crew, they worked really hard. They made sure that I'm always on the bike. And, uh, you know, even if I, I, I was throwing tantrums at times and they were making <laughs> sure that, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm in my senses all the time. Uh, they were pushing me really hard and... Uh, I, I'll always be thankful to them. So that was a memorable event. That was one of my favorite events. Yeah, we'll get to all of that, more specifics on that, spe- that race, also race strategy, mm-hmm. your support team. But first, I'd like to start from the beginning. Thanks for going over all mm-hmm. the sprint round questions. I want to know, how did you get started with ultra cycling? Who introduced you? What event did you start with? Yeah, so... I actually used to be a runner. That's from my childhood. I won't go too much in in detail into that. Mm. But I met with an injury, with a knee injury, because of which I had to quit running. Mm. And then I was introduced to cycling. I I just had an old bicycle at home. And uh, I was just wondering, okay, let's just go for a spin. Mm. Let's see how it goes. And uh, it went well. I didn't feel any knee pain because... The knee, the involvement of knee is very minimal when you're cycling. Mm. It's a low impact sport. And I was really happy with, uh, with my ride. It was hardly a 20, 30 kilometer ride. The next day again, I went for uh, another 20, 30 kilometer ride and there was no pain. So mm. yeah, I got, I, I got hooked on to the sport. I started researching more and more about the sport. And uh, yeah, I, I got a new bike, a better better road bike which uh, which would actually support whatever whatever power i'm putting on to it right uh, and yeah that's when i also came to know about 
breves. So BRMs are long distance events, mm. uh, 200, 300, 400, 600 kilometers rides. Mm-hmm. And I've always, even in running, I used to be an endurance runner. I used to do uh, long runs. Mm. And so similar mindset I had for cycling as well. I thought that, okay, long distance r- cycling could also be a thing. Uh, I started participating in those uh, breves. Mm. I did, I, the first breve that I did was a 400 kilometer breve. And at that oh. time, the maximum distance that I had done in one go was just 70 kilometers. Oh my goodness. So I hadn't even done hundred kilometers when I did my first 400. <laughs> And the guys that who, with whom I was riding, they were like, uh, they didn't know me. Mm. <laughs> I was a newbie. And they were like, I, uh, will you be able to ride with us? Because I was matching up with their speed. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll try to stick with you guys, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and towards the end, I was actually pushing them to <laughs> continue. Oh my goodness. Uh, wow. so, so that was, uh, that was uh, a very good event for me. That was the first long, long ride for me. 400 kilometers was mm. like really long at that time for me. Mm. And then I started doing more and more breves, more and more 200, 300, 600s. And then I was introduced to uh, ultra racing. Mm. And during all those breves, I also used to do short races mm. just because it was exciting and it was short. I was able to put that, that amount of power and I was getting good results. So I also used to do short races and then when I was introduced to ultra racing, uh, that actually happened because there was an event that was happening. Uh, it's called the Deccan Cliffhanger. And that's when I start. I, I came to know, okay, there are long distance cycling races as well, because breves are not races. Yeah, right. And that is something that excited me. I started preparing for them. I didn't know how to prepare. I yeah. just used to do long rides. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I used to do. Right. And that's the reason I, the first ultra race that I did, uh, I failed miserably in that. <laughs> my pacing wasn't proper. My nutrition wasn't proper. And I had to quit after around 250 kilometers. Mm. Then I, so I have a habit of learning more and more through the internet. So I learned, I try to learn more and more what's, what are other people doing in ultra racing? How are they training for it? What's the nutrition they are taking? What's the right strategy to approach such kind of a race? And I kept learning more and more. Uh, so yeah, that's basically the answer. That's how I came to know about ultra racing and that's what attracted me towards it. A very cool story. And it sounds like, so you just started, you kind of hopped on your bike, you started enjoying it, you did longer and longer distances, and then you got yeah. attracted to more the competitive racing side and for these long events. So it sounds like you definitely have a competitive spirit about you. You were a runner previously, so I'd imagine that competitiveness was simply carrying over. So that's very yeah. cool. Mayank, how old are you? Uh, currently, I'm 31 years old. Wow. So you're definitely on the younger end of the ultra family because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. just 
commonly when you think of ultra cycling, you're thinking about, I mean, at a minimum 40s, 50s, 60s, at least in terms of the main demographic. So it's really exciting to see another young rider. I'm actually 30 years old. So actually you're a little older than me. (laughs) And, And so it's exciting to see another young rider and to be able to chat with another young rider. Because I think, uh, you know, perhaps with our mindset, it's a little bit different. And, and we're probably a little more competitive minded than the average ultra rider who's just, you know, maybe riding to complete, um, you know, double yeah. century, a brevet or some other kind of ultra event. Of course, there are many fast riders of all ages. Um, so it's cool to be able to get the perspective from you. And interesting how you started. My story is similar. I kind of just kind of rolled into it myself as well and just kept on adding the mileage and just my natural, I don't know if it's the mm-hmm. youth and craziness and competitiveness, uh, you know, kept on <laughs> building. And um, I actually started it as a runner myself. And so I'm curious to know from you, um, after riding your bicycle for eight years now and, and really racing for the last four in the ultra world, what do you yeah. think of uh, running now? Because for me personally, I've learned to fall in love and prefer bicycling simply because you can go a lot further. You could coast your bicycle. You can go down hills really fast. And, you know, it's kind of just a little <laughs> bit more adventurous. What are your own thoughts on that? So, yeah, cycling is definitely more exciting because you cover more distance and you get to see more of the world. Mm-hmm. But with running, uh, it's not the case. And even one hour of running is... Is a good amount of running, but one hour of cycling is hardly anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, going back to running, I don't think I'll be able to make it because uh, mm. of the condition of my knee. Uh, I've tried running. I've, I've tried doing duathlons, mm. but uh, like 10 kilometers is my limit. I'm not able to run beyond that. And my timing is also not that great when it comes to running. So mm. I don't want to run just like that. I want to. If I want to, if I want to run, if I'll run, I'll run competitively. Otherwise, I won't. Right. That's that's the way I think. <laughs> yeah, we sh- share a common mindset. Now, I want to get back to some of the events that you've done, and especially the recent 24-hour virtual time trial championship that you actually won. So it sounds like, I mean, between enjoying riding on the indoor uh, trainer a lot, uh, you also enjoy the individual aspect of ultra racing. Um, I don't think you mentioned anything about doing any ultra relay teams, right? No. Okay. I haven't done any team events. Yet. So you've done the ultra spice race, which is a thousand kilometers. So that's just about say 620 miles. So that's a, a very long distance. You did that in 2019 and that was in India. You've also yeah. done a series of five ro- uh, road races and two individual time trials, right? Yeah. And we're, were those all uh, indoor or outdoor? Those were outdoors. Those were those the outdoor outdoors. ones. Okay. But then yeah. this year, just um, about two weeks ago, you did compete in the 24-hour virtual time trial championship. You won and you completed 771.8 kilometers. Tell me about okay. that experience. Okay. So I, the, the event was announced like just a couple of months back. Uh, and at that time I was actually targeting some other event. Mm. So there's an event happening in, uh, Montreal, which is an, which is an 800 kilometer again, run qualifier. I was training actually for that. That is also yet to happen in the month of September, although I'm not planning to do it now mm. because uh, there's only one or two events that you can do in a year when it comes to ultra, ultra races. Mm. 
so when i came to know about this event uh, it was checking all the boxes uh, it was indoors and uh, it was an ultra race and obviously it was a solo event mm. so i immediately i decided that okay i should do this and i modified my training plan so i had i train on my own i have i don't have a coach i make my own training plans and train accordingly so the moment i came to know the event i just uh, tweak my training plan so that i get my peak performance on the day of the event and uh, yeah so i started to make sure that my race setup should be proper mm-hmm. and since it's an it's going to be an indoor event and uh, uh, this is something that i was doing for the first time so i didn't have any experience of it right and here we have a photograph that you sent this was your setup yeah. it looks like you have things dialed in and you definitely have a lot of nutrition <laughs> to last you for 24 hours uh, what do we right. have here so we have some of the scratch labs i see a bunch of different products why don't you kind of just yes. walk through some of those sure uh, there's also a jiu rocktain energy drink that you can see mm. there's there's a bcaa from extend then there is uh scratch labs recovery drink oh, okay there we go yeah here's the scratch labs i recognize that there, there's a, that's the hydration right. then there's a can of water <laughs> yeah uh, so this is just in case so my support crew was actually my wife and oh, okay. uh, she was the only one so even she had to sleep at times hmm. so in in case she was sleeping and i needed something right. so i had kept everything near me so, so that i can make my own nutrition and just consume right. it. and i and i see you have just one small fan here uh, that's that's uh, good enough for you to uh, stay cool uh, do you have air conditioning in in, in the in the unit or uh, is the weather actually not too bad there's actually another another fan behind the stool that you cannot see oh okay <laughs> cool yeah and there was there's an air conditioning as well so yeah right Yeah, very good. And I see it looks like uh what kind of bicycle are you riding here? This is a Focus. Uh, Focus. Okay, Focus. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so it does look like you have your your uh, aero bars on there as well. You have a yes. towel there to catch the sweat. Yeah. So, <laughs> so indoor riding is a whole another, you know, almost a category of of racing, especially if you're mm-hmm. riding hard like you were. there was also the race across the west which was offered as a virtual option this year and quite a Correct. few competitors in that but for those who don't ride a ton indoors or especially long distances even for an ultra rider maybe you know the typical ultra rider is only riding you know 1 2 3 hours at most let alone 24 hours there's different aspects to it in terms of you know the terrain isn't really varying you're constantly spinning you're not coasting down a hill or anything like that so it does yeah. kind of where on you how was the experience for you and how did your body react to all of that i mean you're 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 used to it um but i'm sure even with all your training and your you know your uh liking of indoor riding i'm sure you still uh, experience a lot of that unique to indoor riding yeah it is unique definitely uh and to be prepared for that i i also did a short a shorter version of that 24 hours i did a 6 hour time trial uh, around a month before just to make sure that everything is okay so i the setup was exactly the same as i had in the 24 hour time trial it, it was actually a mock race that i planned to have uh, i had the same nutrition plan i had the same ride plan everything same 
and uh, yeah that is something that i used to prepare for it i also did a virtual everesting which also oh, helped wow. me that so that was around 10 hours long so i i knew that i can i can be on the trainer for 10 hours and 24 hours i'll just have to stretch <laughs> <laughs> wow incredible so what are some of the physical uh, uh things that you felt in terms of your legs you know the fatigue the tiredness again it's different from riding outdoor where the terrain may be varying you might be able to coast here and there and on the trainer yeah. i mean i guess you could stop pedaling also but at the end of the day you're constantly spinning probably a higher cadence than you would if you were outdoors so what was that feeling like in terms of your legs and maybe even your upper body uh so so the virtual this virtual event was actually on zwift Uh, so there's a route called Tempest Fugit on Zwift, which is a 17.3 kilometer route, and you had to do loops of it. And in between this this route, there is a short, very short, very short climb. So there is a you know a terrain difference. Uh, there was a climb on which you know you can probably go off the saddle and attack, and then there was a short 200 meter downhill as well. So you do get a small amount of rest uh, you can coast in, in, during that downhill and you know stop pedaling get some rest and again start pedaling so that was there in the race that kind of helped me to take those short or micro short uh, breaks okay now through the whole span of 24 hours tell me about the kind of ebbs and flows of yourself mentally and physically was there a low point was there a challenging point in that 24 hours maybe you were getting a little sleepy towards the end anything like that mm-hmm. uh, fortunately uh, I, i never felt sleepy so the race started 8:30 local time 8:30 pm local time hmm. so it started itself in the evening and uh, my first 12 hours were dark in the dark hours Mm. uh i didn't feel sleepy because it was the first 12 hours and the next 12 hours was the daytime and the daytime you don't feel you don't, you don't tend to feel sleepy mm. so throughout the 24 hours i never felt sleepy and i was also taking uh, enough caffeine so so mm. that i don't i don't doze off okay uh, yeah i guess it does help to start in the evening for those reasons um you yeah. can get the 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 kind of the witching hours over in the beginning but at the at the same time i mean just practically speaking you probably mm-hmm. worked a full day or you had a full day or or did you kind of change your sleep pattern did you have a nap or you know a sleep period before the uh, the race um during the daytime so fortunately i had an off that day that was a friday and uh, so our company gives us alternate fridays off so uh-huh. that i was lucky to get an off day that day uh-huh. uh i did uh wake up super early that day like i wake up at 3 in the morning mm. and uh, i did a very short just a short priming one hour ride very easy ride mm. and uh, yeah I, i stayed up late and then in the afternoon i tried to sleep a little Mm. I I slept for around 3 to 4 hours in the afternoon. So I tried to change my sleep cycle and uh it kind of worked I, because I never felt sleepy so it was all all good. Yeah, cool. Now how many people were participating do you know? So it was actually a 6 hour, 12 hour and 24 hour so there were three categories. Mm-hmm. In the 24 hour category there were eight riders. Mm. 
Yeah, I'd imagine it would attract uh, a lot of people from around the world simply because it's it's a virtual option. So you don't have to fly out to a certain location to compete. So that must have been yeah. pretty fun. Now, were you able to track the other racers and see kind of uh, where you were in in comparison to them? Yes, so that's that's the you can say advantage and also a disadvantage of uh, doing <laughs> yeah. a virtual race because you know where exactly other riders are. Mm. Uh, it's a disadvantage because when you stop others, other people will also come to know that you you've stopped, mm. and they might you know ride faster to get an advantage over you or something like that. So right. <laughs> in a way, it's advantage or yeah. a disadvantage as well. Yeah, kind of like a cat and mouse. It definitely can push you. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I'm sure the competition is is fun in that regard. Now, was there anybody that was uh, ever chasing you the whole time? Or, I mean, were you always out front from the beginning? Tell me about how, how that all played out. Uh, so I, I knew that there were, they were uh, one or two opponents who are going to be tough to beat. Mm. And I always had my eyes on them. Uh, I, I did take an initial lead, like right from the beginning. I had a, I had a lead, and the lead kept on increasing. Uh, mm-hmm. But at one point, uh, the lead was stagnant, mm-hmm. and I was all good with it because till the time it's not like they're not making time on me. I was all good. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to stick to my plan, just to stick to my pacing strategy for the first ten to twelve hours. Because I didn't want to burn out, uh, go too fast, and right. then lose all the lose all, all my stamina in right. the later 12 hours. So I wanted to make sure that I stick to my plan for the first 12 hours. And after that, you know, based on where the competition is, I either chase them or increase my lead and so on. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty Fortunately, cool. I was always in the lead. So I didn't have to, I didn't have to do that. Yeah. I, tell me a little bit more about, I mean, just mentally in knowing and being able to see where your competition is. I mean, how much were you thinking about that and, and concerning yourself with what other people are doing and just tracking if they're moving still or they're stopping? Yeah. I mean, was that really a focus or were you just really heads down and doing your own race? Oh, no. So we were, uh, I, I was very much uh, tracking where the other riders are and, you know, what's the gap like between us. Mm. And since I personally knew them, I was also interacting with them over, over, uh, over, over the phone. Like, how are you doing? Uh, All uh, good. <laughs> and yeah. so we, we, we know each other, we are friends. So uh, that was fun. Uh, it, it was all in good spirit. All, yeah. We were all uh, doing the race in a healthy way. Okay, very cool. Were there were there some people you you mentioned that there were some friends? Uh, were they friends from India? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I think anybody that hasn't been living under a rock for you know quite a number of years, last five ten years, ha- has realized that there's just a huge ultra cycling craze almost in India. And so yeah, as an insider, it's really picking up. <laughs> yeah, as an insider, yeah. just having recently come from India and having raced in India, I mean. Tell me what on earth is going there? What is spurring and, and fueling the ultra cycling, um, you know, racing there and, and just the whole community? It just seems like there's India is producing so many ultra cycling, um, ultra cyclists and also racers who are signing up for huge events like the Race Across America, like 24 hour time trial events like you just did. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I would say race across America has to do a lot in that because mm. there's something about that race that uh, all the Indian riders are uh, are thinking like everyone wants to do that. Mm. Uh, we did have a ramp finisher last year, Kabir, and he right. was also uh, in this 24-hour time trial, and he came second. And he was the, he was the one that I was mentioning that I was on calls regularly, and we were just chatting. And I also happened to crew for him in in ramp uh, in 2019. Wow! So even I would like to do ramp someday. Oh, Not okay. sure when, but yeah, hmm. there is definitely a craze, and the main reason is. I would say Ram. Somehow the race has attracted uh, the all the riders of the country, and everyone wants to do that. Yeah, it just seems like an interesting dynamic. How that even started? I'm just curious. How you know what was the impetus for the first person to sign up? I mean, how did they find out about it? You know, why did they set their targets on that? Given that you know it's halfway across the world, it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. The logistics, the planning, yeah. the training. You know, just as a yeah. bicyclist. And it's amazing how so many people, even including yourself, um, has has kind of gravitated <laughs> towards it. And now that's you know one of your own ambitions. Because I know yeah. for myself and probably most of us, you know, when we think of Indian sports, uh, we think of you know cricket, you know, maybe even tennis and those kinds of other sports. So it would just be an incredible story and history in the making to see you know dozens and dozens <laughs> of ultra cyclists coming out of India, and and I'm sure. Um, competing at a very high level like yourself. So it's very unique and it's exciting to be able to chat uh, with our first Indian ultra cyclist on this show. And I think you're doing a great job to represent your country. Um, You've definitely achieved a lot and it sounds like there's still so much more that you have on your bucket list. You're still very young, 31 years old. And so I'm sure you have a lot of power. Uh, What is your highest ambition? It's to do RAM, I suppose, is, is one of them, right? Definitely, I would I would like to do RAM uh, and not just complete it, but do it in a good time. Mm. So I, I've never uh, aimed to just finish an ultra race. I, I have a time target in mind and I'm always trying to achieve those achievements. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. I'm sure you must have already <laughs> thought about it. What would your target time be? Uh, I would love to do it in sub 10 days. Uh, under 10 days, definitely. And uh, after that, let's see, maybe less than that in further event, further attempts. Yeah, excellent. Now, when you were still living in India, and I'm sure you still have many friends there, especially ultra cyclists, um, do you know any other ones that uh, are currently training for something that maybe perhaps this year in 2020 they were planning to do RAM? Oh, yes. Uh, Kabir himself wanted to do RAM in 2020 once again. Mm. Then there was Bharat, who was also planning to do 2020 and he did do VRAM, the virtual RAM. He did do ah, that and he came third uh, in VRAM. Apart from that, there's Vivek as well. So I know these three people that they were planning for 2020 and I'm sure they'll be doing in 2021 now. Right. So what, what is kind of supporting the ultra cycling community back home? Is it, is it specific cities there in India, like Pune, where there's um, mm-hmm. you know, a larger community, maybe there's different bicycle teams or clubs or you know, sponsors? Are there community development programs? You know, is the government you know, kind of driving any of that? Or you know, where, give me a bigger picture in terms of the whole country and the different sure. cities. Uh, I would say that the whole the, the ultra cycling community is mostly concentrated in, in the 
in the Pune city. Mm. Mostly because the first ultra race actually started from Pune. Mm. Uh, technically, there, w- there were a few races that started in different cities, but they didn't get uh, enough popularity. Mm-hmm. But the one that started in Pune, that's the one which got a lot of popularity somehow. Mm. And uh, it's still going on. So there has been six to seven editions of that race. And then the same organization has been conducting more races. So the ultra spice race also has been conducted by the same uh, organization. It's called Inspire India. Ah. So the, does this organization, Inspire India, do they also put on other uh, cycling events, perhaps just the traditional kind of road racing ones? Are they a large organization? Uh, so they only do uh, ultra races. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. There's one that they do in uh, the, the Great Himalayan. That's hmm. the world's highest ultra race. Hmm. That happens uh, up north. Any plans to do that one yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, but the logistics, I'll have to think of the logistics for that. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned you, you did an Everesting challenge recently as well. So it sounds yeah. like you have uh, enough of the pieces of the puzzle there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just taking a look at a map here to give everybody a context of what we've been talking about. So you're originally from India, just moved to Toronto, Canada about, uh, about a year ago. And so Pune, yeah. it looks like it is on the west coast of India and it looks like it's near Mumbai as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I think I saw this city. How do you pronounce that? Goa? Yeah, that's, that, that's where the Ultra Spice race started. Ah, I see. Okay. Now, uh, how far is that from Pune? It's around uh, 450 kilometers. Mm. So, yeah. So, I, I'd imagine that there's a lot of beauty along the coastlines and a lot of ultra riding or even yeah. just your own training rides. So, Pune happens to be, as I said, uh, all, year, all year round the weather is quite good. Mm. And that's also one of the reasons that a lot of cyclists uh, are coming up from that city. Hmm. And uh, yeah, cycling, there are a lot of hill stations around Pune. So hmm. you get to do a lot of climbing as well. There is flat terrain as, all, as well. There is rolling terrain as well. Hmm. So you get a mix of everything. A lot of climbs, a lot of rolling terrain. So yeah, it's perfect for any cyclist to live in. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, from your perspective as an ultra cyclist from uh, that city and just from India in general, I mean, when did ultra cycling kind of pop on your radar? And in terms of when it started kind of getting popular and, you know, you started hearing about it from a lot of your other ultra or your other cycling, you know, friends or teammates. Uh, So the first time that I heard about it was in the year 2014. Hmm. And, uh, uh, so I, I didn't race in 2014. It's just that I came to know about it. And that's mm. when the, uh, the, uh, the Deccan cliffhanger that I was talking about mm-hmm. actually started in Pune. Mm. That was the first year of the race. And uh, yeah, I came to know about that and I kept preparing for ultra races. And the first race that I did was in 2016. Mm. That's awesome, Mayank. Really glad to be able to have this conversation and share it with all the Ultra family. Now, I see on your Instagram, I don't believe this was from your 24-hour, but it looks like this was the six-hour six hour. TT, the six-hour one. Yeah. And uh, just to give everyone a context of what it's like to, to race on Zwift, so looking pretty good there. And I, I, I imagine you enjoy this kind <laughs> of format of racing, right? 
Yep. <laughs> okay. Let's see. You got some statistics here. Yeah. So earlier we were talking about your, your power to weight ratio. So it looks like about 3.17 watts per kilogram for six hours. So that's, that's not slow at all. That is some intensity. <laughs> yeah. For Very six cool. hours, it's, it, it's, it's good. Yeah. That's awesome. And so let's get back to that because you uniquely like the indoor riding. I mean, just going through your Instagram feed here, we can see a lot of indoor riding. We also see some <laughs> outdoor ones. Yeah. So back in India, I used to do a lot of outdoors mm-hmm. and indoors as well. So how did you get so interested in indoor riding? Because it's not like every cyclist you speak with is raving about, you know, and uh, indoor riding and they just can't wait for their next six or 12 hour trainer ride. What exactly happened? I mean, tell me the progression from when you started ultra cycling to the point where you just really started enjoying riding indoor. So uh, until the year 2017, uh, I was mostly training outdoors, not mostly my hundred percent of my training used to happen outdoors. And, uh, I wasn't uh, training properly as in there was no structured plan that I was following. Mm-hmm. I just used to go out, ride and come back home. That's the only thing that I used to do. There was no structured plan that I was following. And because of that, uh, I kind of wasn't improving in my, uh, in my racing. And that is the year that I also did LEL. LEL is the London, Edinburgh, London uh, right. That is the 1400 kilometer breve. I had a crash at 980 kilometer mark. Oh my God. And <laughs> that was a horrible crash because yeah. my knee had the same knee which I which got injured previously. Mm. Again, had multiple fractures and I ended up having another surgery. Oh my goodness. Uh, and then when I was recovering from my injury, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Samir, he suggested me that, you know, you should start from indoors. Shouldn't go just straight away outdoors because uh, you're still recovering. So try to ride indoors. And I was like, indoor training doesn't make sense. I mean, uh, why why should one ride indoors when you like you can go outdoors? Yeah. And it was like it's a better way to train. It's a more it's a smarter way to train. So you're also working. You're also working professional. Uh, you'll waste a lot of time when you go outdoors. Yeah. And even if you do one hour indoors, it's good enough. Uh, it's equivalent to maybe two hours outdoors. Mm. And I was like, okay, let's just give it a try. So I got a, uh, got an okay, okay trainer, which was giving, which had a power sensor in it. And he introduced me to trainer road. app. So there's an app called trainer road on which uh, you can, they have some plans, some training plans, which you can follow. Right. And uh, you can train in a structured way. And he said that all you need to do is just blindly follow those plans, do nothing else, and try to learn more and more about training with power, mm. training with a power meter. And then, uh, you know, I just got hooked on to it. I, I like the way the app, the workouts in the app, they challenged me. So during the workout, there's also text that keeps on coming. And the text is used to be very motivating. And uh, that's the thing that, uh, that that's the time when I started loving indoor workouts. 
I used to sweat a lot and that used to be like a challenge that, okay, even if I'm sweating, even if I'm, you know, feeling bad, feeling worse, feeling like quitting, I won't quit. And uh, yeah, I, I, I made up my mind that, you know, indoor training isn't torture, isn't, isn't bad. It's actually good. And it has now reached a, reached a point that I now love indoor riding, indoor riding. Mm. It's no more a torture for me. So I love it. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be it'll be nice to be able to chat with other ultra riders on the show specifically about, you know, their own thoughts and sentiments on indoor riding. I think it's probably across the board, but my thought is, you know, even thinking about myself as an ultra racer, I've learned mm-hmm. to also appreciate and enjoy the indoor riding, even at the longer distances. Now you touched yeah. on, you know, your friend saying that, you know, perhaps indoor riding could be more efficient and a better, uh, um, better use of your time training. So I'd imagine he's talking about the structured workouts that you can do on an indoor yeah. uh, bicycle, where perhaps if you know, resistance remains the same, it's a little easier to focus on you know, achieving what you want to in a workout. So what does your yeah. workouts look like? It sounds like you very much um, adopt a, a structured workout approach and you use trainer road. I just pulled it up for folks so they could see what it looks like. Because um, yeah. other guests on the show have have uh, mentioned their enjoyment of of using that program as well. So on a week to week basis, you train six days a week. What what do yeah. you really do each of those six days? So uh, the way I make my training plans uh, is by focusing an event. Mm. So if you have an event, you, you at least need to give yourself like at least four to five months or six months. Mm-hmm. to be able to prepare for that event so that you get your peak performance at the time of the event. Right. So for example, if my next race is now in February, I'll start training for it now and I'll modify my training plan so that I get my peak performance in the month of February. So I usually start with a, a base plan wherein I am working on my endurance, just working on the sweet spot zone, mm-hmm. making sure that I can withstand the load which is going to come uh, after uh, maybe one or two months. So I do a lot of base training for uh, two months. Suppose the event is after six months. So the first two months I'll do base training. Then I'll uh, start building up on my power and I will uh, do a lot of threshold and VO2 max workouts. And doesn't mean that you you know on a, on a, in a typical week, on a Tuesday, I'll go hard, and on a Wednesday, I'll the next day I'll uh, take a recovery day. So I won't take a break, but it'll be a recovery ride. And then Thursday again, I'll go hard. Right. So one day hard, one day easy, one day hard, one day easy. That's how mm. the week goes. And yes. Saturday, Sunday, you can uh, go long or do some climbing. Right. Sounds like a a good uh, standard periodization that you apply to your events and you do structure it around specific events. Earlier, you mentioned only doing maybe one or two big rides every year. So you're really just focused on that. And you also talked about power and, you know, the way that you structure workouts and working on, you know, around the sweet, sweet spot. Before, you know, perhaps at the beginning of your your, uh, whole uh, training plan, you know, before you start your base training or some period uh, around there, uh, do you typically do a, a FTP test, a functional threshold a test to set your baseline power? 
Absolutely. So I, in fact, keep doing FTP tests after every four weeks. Mm. So the number so keeps give me changing. An idea. Give yeah. me an idea for the 24-hour time trial championship that you did virtually. When did mm-hmm. you start training for that? Was that about four or six months ago? Yes. So I started in the month of March. Okay. So around March, you did an FTP test. What was your wattage looking like at that point? Um, at that time, I was at 245. Mm. And then I kept on increasing. And uh, on the day of the event, I was at 302. Wow. Excellent. Now, yeah, so after that this has session, to do, <laughs> yeah. that has to do because uh, I, before March, there was a big gap of uh, four to five months where I wasn't training. Oh, because uh, I didn't have a bike at that time. I was new in Toronto. Mm. So in the month of February, I bought a new bike. And then I started training in the month of March. Okay, makes sense. So what would you say the last, I don't know, four years since you started ultra cycling, what's been your average FTP through, through a season when you're, when you're trained? Uh, so back in Pune, my FTP used to be in the range of 300 to 320. Mm. So yeah, you can say I'm still not there where I used to be. Right. So definitely a strong rider. I mean, that's not a low wattage. That's that's on the high end. So that's enough to give you the horsepower you need to be competitive, even in a shorter event. Have you done any shorter road races uh, there in Toronto? Uh, No, not yet. Mm. So the racing season is mostly in the summer. Uh, and the summers have been taken over by the pandemic. So <laughs> right. there wasn't any racing this year. Right. Going forward, assuming events open up again, is your plan to still participate in the shorter road races? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I love doing individual time trials because mm. it, all it's that, uh, you know, the, in individual time trials, you need good pacing. Uh, you need a lot of mental strength and all these, like both these things are important in ultra racing as well. Mm. So it kind of, uh, you know, uh, supplements both the things. I like ultra racing and that also you, you uh, have to pace yourself in a proper way. You have to be mentally strong. So yeah, I like doing individual time trials. And in, even in short races, long, uh, sorry, short road races, um, I, it's, it's like fun for me. <laughs> I don't take, I like to experiment different, different strategies in a road race. I don't, uh, try to, uh, win them. I just try to, uh, apply different strategies just to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So it's all kind of making sense. I mean, you like riding on Zwift, you like the indoor, you're a strong rider, you like the strategy aspect. So for you, it really sounds like kind of a fun strategy making exercise and also yeah. you know, a challenge physically and mentally. Yeah. So even during an ultra race, mm-hmm. people often ask me like, what do you think? What do you keep doing during, mm-hmm. during an ultra race? Yeah. And half the time I'm sp- I spend time doing calculations in my mind that, okay, I'm, oh. And making small targets for myself, like Mm. next 20 kilometers, I would want to do it in 35 minutes, 40 minutes, Mm. like that. Wow. And once I achieve that, you get a sense of achievement and you feel good. And then you again make another small target for yourself. So when you keep doing those 
calculations in your mind, you don't realize when the time passes. Right. So whereas other writers like thinking about how beautiful the sunrise and sunset is and how nice the, the wind feels <laughs> as they're going down a hill, you, you enjoy thinking about uh, mathematics and, and calculations yeah. <laughs> to optimize your ride. <laughs> I, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a, I'm a yeah. big numbers guy. <laughs> yeah. That's and awesome. I like to keep a check of what my power is and is it according to what my plan was and just making sure everything is in control. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's good enough for me to uh, keep going on. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Adds a whole night a whole nother dynamic to ultra cycling. So glad you can find some enjoyment uh, there on your time on the bike. I'm sure over a 24 hour period, like you recently did on your virtual time trial, um, your mind is constantly working. So that's, uh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so my, yeah. my, uh, we're looking at some other photos here that you sent through. This one looks pretty good. Uh, looks like you're in serious focus mode, probably some other calculation. Uh, what, what picture yeah, are we this looking is, at? I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going downhill in this. I'm just oh. trying to maneuver oh. one of the turns. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Yeah. See what, how about, how about down here? What's this? Looks like you're wearing a this medal there. Is the, this is the finish point of the Ultra Spice, 1,000 kilometers. Oh, okay. After I got the medal. <laughs> so the Ultra Spice, is that one of the, the most popular or one of the popular events there in India? Yeah, it's, you can say the second most popular, but mm. done by Inspire India only. Okay. But mostly because uh, it's longer distance. So 1,000 kilometers, there's also a 1,750 kilometer uh, version of the same race. Okay. So just to give us all a context, how many riders across the different distances usually sign up each year for the Ultra Spice? Uh, there are around, not, not many because it starts in Goa. So there's a logistics issue for a lot of people to reach there and then race. Uh, and since it's not so Deccan Cliffhanger gets a lot of, it's, it's overbooked most of the times. So it's like uh, around 40 solo racers and a huge number of team, uh, team racers, relay racers. And the total number, uh, goes to around more than 200. So more than 200 riders are on the roads during a Deccan Cliffhanger event. But an ultra spice race, uh, there's not many people. You can say around 10 to 15 people, including mm -hmm. all the categories. Very interesting. And it's it, such a long It has distance. to do mostly with the logistics. Right. So I imagine you have a crew just like you would in an event like Race Across the West, Race Across America, Race Across Oregon, those kind of things we have here in the United States. Tell me about the support team that you had for that 1,000-kilometer race. Uh, so we had six people uh, and most of them were cyclists themselves. Uh, so they exactly knew, you know, what I would want at what point of time. And mm. I explained them my nutrition plan, what all things that I like to eat and what was my race plan, what all uh, checkpoints I wanted to hit and in how much, in how much time. And yeah, so they were. So I, I didn't have to instruct them that what to do. They themselves knew what they needed to do in order to function in a proper way. 
because in my previous ultra races i had different crew and i had to tell them each and everything that you know now give now give me this give me this give me that don't give me this mm. but with these people uh since these were they, they were all cyclists i had a good time with them i didn't have to worry at all what they were doing and uh, i was just blindly following whatever they were asking me to do if they were giving me something i used to eat it <laughs> without saying anything ah, and yeah yeah so, pretty cool now talking about nutrition and mm-hmm. riding so much you said you're um you know it's a, around 150 pounds or so um you said 72 to 75 kilograms have you yeah. found it difficult as an ultra rider through the years uh difficult to eat enough to maintain the weight that you want or to even gain any weight if you wanted to you know muscle mass for example uh tell me about that i mean and day to day you're doing a lot of training 6 days a week you know what are you eating is it is it easy for you to consume all those calories and nutrients that you need uh so i try to uh eat natural food as uh maximum as possible i am not a drinker i'm not a smoker mm. i don't uh fancy any junk food mm. uh and uh, yeah whatever food i eat tends to suit me well i have never had any weight issues throughout mm. my life uh so like as i said i keep hovering between 72 to 75 mm. and uh, yeah i have never had issues with eating or gaining more weight or losing more weight mm. awesome now aside from nutrition aside from training what motivates you mentally you know is it personal ambitions is it specific causes you know just the competitive aspect of it i guess it's just it, it just has to do with the competitive aspect i i, I like being competitive hmm. uh in fact during the 24 hour race uh the target that i had set for myself was actually 800 kilometers hmm. but i i didn't reach till there mostly because i i already had a lead over my competitors mm. and it was a good 20 25 minute lead mm. so i was like okay i don't need to push more but in 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 case there was a good competitor who was maybe ahead of me or maybe challenging me i maybe i would have pushed more so i would say competitiveness is what pushes me and the last 3 to 4 hours uh i was uh, i was mentally fatigued and uh, that was the time that i didn't know what to do because i already had a good lead i knew that i'm going to win now what should i do <laughs> i didn't have anything to do i didn't have anything to work on my mm. mind was like i don't have anything to do what should i do and mm. so i like the competitive aspect that's what keeps me going that's what drives me mm. uh Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's really that's cool. Amazing. You know, again, a lot of people in the ultra cycling community, they don't necessarily race for that kind of level of competition. So it is unique mm-hmm. to be able to chat with you about that aspect, which is very interesting and to hear about people at very long distances and very long durations having that kind of sharp mindset to compete and to achieve, yeah. you know, a lot of 
fast times and, and, and putting out a lot of power. You did just about 771 kilometers, which in doing a quick calculation, it seems like it's just about 480 miles and that's within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So that, that's pretty fast. Um, you know, the 500 mile mark is, is just around there. You got 20 more miles to go. <laughs> is that something yeah. on your radar? Do you have any plans to come out to the 24 hour uh, world time trial championships in Borrego Springs, California? Yeah, that's definitely on my radar and I would love to do it next year. And uh, I am like, I've started talks with a few people who would want to crew for me or maybe race along with me. Hmm. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that event. Yeah. Okay. Because I have now done uh, indoors. I would like to prove myself outdoors as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great, Mayank. We'll have to have you back on the show when you come out here to California. I'm sure you've heard and seen a lot of the different events out here, not just the the starting line of the Race Across America, but the 24-hour, a lot of double centuries out here and, and many other events. So we'll be glad to welcome you here and follow your journey in California for a variety of Absolutely. other races. But looking at some of these other photos that you sent, this one seems pretty cool. You're tucked into your TT position. What event yeah. are we looking at here? This was uh, uh, one of the individual time trial races that I did. And was this in India? This was in India. Yeah, this okay. was in Bangalore. Ah, okay. Yeah, very nice. I like yeah. your, your shoes there. It looks like there's two different colors. They, they come like that or are they two different <laughs> shoes? I'd imagine they're the same. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they come like that. That's awesome. I've even got matching socks for them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I see that. Nice. All right, so you're a stylish ultra cyclist. (laughs) That's so cool. Okay, what are we looking at here in this photo? Uh, This was, again, uh, a long, long race. It was a 260-kilometer race. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I was again in the lead at this point of time. Yeah, pretty cool. This was around the halfway point. Yeah, who took this photo? Is it is it the race organizers or there or is yes, it the it, SAG vehicles? It was the race organizer. It wasn't a supported race; it was mm. an unsupported one. Okay. Now, for these kinds of events out there um, in India, are they very well supported? I mean, what can you expect if somebody were to fly out there and and compete in one of these events? Uh, so the community is very small, mm. but they're tightly knit. We all know each other. Mm. And uh, those who are those who are into organizing these races, they're really dedicated, and uh, they do a really great job. Like uh, the Ultra Spice Race or the Deccan Cliffhanger, they're all managed really well. Mm. And uh, yeah. In terms of all of the the Indian ultra cyclists that you're aware of, you know, whether ones that have done RAM, ones you've trained with, it's a, it's a small, close-knit family. It sounds like they're within India itself, but also just across the globe, really, um, you know, the beautiful thing about the ultra family. Where would you place yourself? I mean, you're a very strong rider, typical FTP over 300 watts. Where would you place yourself amongst the ranks of Indian ultra cyclists? Would you say you're, you know, one of the, the, the 10 fastest uh, that you're aware of in India? You know, or give me some context uh, so, as a matter of fact, uh, you wouldn't find more than 10 cyclists <laughs> when oh. you say fast. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely be in the top five. Yeah. Oh, okay. And do you know all of the, the other four in the top five there? Yeah. 
Yep, I know all of them. <laughs> oh, okay, so is there is there a, a healthy competition amongst all all five of you? Oh yes, we're all friends, and uh, we all joke about each other, and huh. yeah, we're we're all friends. <laughs> okay, now the, these other ultra cyclists are they around the same age or just of varying age range? Uh, you can say we're all in the thirties. Hmm. Um, maybe a couple of them, maybe in the late thirties. And uh, Kabir is in his late twenties. I'm in I'm in my early thirties. So yeah, very cool. So we have a strong and young group of Indian ultra cyclists who are ready to storm all of the ultra events around the world, including Ram. So it'll be exciting to follow the journey. And I'm sure all of you, amongst your friends and yourself, must feel a great sense of pride in being able to represent your country and also being very strong riders just in general on the global stage. Yep. Uh, we have like a lot of people know us and a lot of people follow us and they keep asking us for, you know, tips, what to do, how to improve uh, themselves. And as a matter of fact, I also train uh, a few people who are also aspiring to become ultra cyclists. So yeah, uh, the community is growing and uh, we all look up to each other. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I was going to ask you about that in terms of yourselves furthering the cause of ultra cycling in India. So you said you trained some people. Um, what do yeah. people think in your life, friends, family, you know, people back home in India about you and your friends doing all this ultra cycling? I mean, is it exciting for them as well? Uh, so not many people actually know about it. That uh, all, all they know is cycling and they don't know that road racing is a different thing ultra cycling is a different thing mountain biking is a different thing altogether different thing right so yeah they do they do get fascinated that i'm doing some crazy amount of distances <laughs> and yeah. uh, they have the appreciation for that but that's about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well really nice to be able to chat about that what do you think most people, you know, whether they're in India or just around the world, what do you think most people don't realize about ultra cycling? You know, whether it's a non-cyclist uh, non or just a non-ultra cyclist. Um, ultra cycling. So as I said, it definitely has a mental aspect to it. Hmm. You need to be mentally strong, uh, but you also need to be physically strong. And that's what uh, people miss. And uh, I've observed one thing that uh, if, if you talk about the best of the ultra cyclists in the world, mm. they all have had uh, competitive racing backgrounds, like in the shorter mm. format. Mm. And then they have graduated on to ultra cycling. But what I'm seeing in, in, in India is, is that most of the endurance uh, riders, like people coming out, coming from Breves, they are coming into ultra racing and they don't have that competitive uh, spirit in them. And that is something that makes the difference. That makes all the difference. If, if you're competitive in nature, you will do good in ultra racing. You just don't have to be an, uh, an, uh, an endurance rider. You can obviously build endurance, but if you're, com if you're a competitive racer in a shorter format, you can also do, it in a longer format if you have that amount of endurance. I would love to see more people coming from the racing scene coming into ultra racing because 
uh, that is something that I would say gives me an edge over others because uh, I can I can push hard and you know I can get a lead from over others I can attack on the clients because I have that amount of power yeah. so that's something that gives me an edge over others mm. and I would love to see more people coming in yeah you're looking you're looking great here in this photo what was this event this was uh, the ultra spice this was the initial mm. few kilometers in right. here leaving the city so just on what you were talking about, you know, being competitive and, and having that to help you become a great ultra cyclist. Now, of course, it's not required, but it sounds like from yeah. your perspective, you very much are a competitive minded athlete yourself. And I suppose that would also translate to your coaching style as you coach others. So it sounds like a great, uh, you know, test bed or development bed for other racers, especially uh, there in India to keep bringing up the next generation who are not just going to be, you know, crazy in terms of riding long distances, but also crazy in terms of riding long distances very fast. So I think that's also yeah. unique having a coach like you to kind of foster that uh, community uh, there in India. And it sounds like there are many other young ultra racers that, you know, your friends uh, that I yeah. guess still live in India, right? Yeah, they still live in India. Mm. So I guess we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm sure just even within the next five years, it only took you about four years in ultra uh, racing to do what you've done. And so as you continue to, to train uh, a handful of people each year, I'm sure there'll be a lot more for us to see as we sit back and watch uh, you know, the Indian ultra cycling community kind of uh, make a, a big uh, dent in, in the <laughs> racing world. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's a sport that takes time for you to build uh, it takes time to graduate into that mindset mm. uh, of going into that uh, you know that witching feeling that you're feeling the pain mm. you don't know what to do and you still have to go on go on and go on mm. so train training for that uh, takes time mm. uh, definitely when uh, four years back when i started ultra racing i didn't have that mindset that i have as of now so it takes time to build this build that mindset right. i'm still growing i'm still have a lot to learn hmm. uh, yeah so what are your tips you know for these people that you're training back home in india and perhaps others that you may meet in toronto or even others virtually that you'll come across around the world what are your tips for people to get started with ultra cycling so uh, one really important thing that i see is people lack regularity and cycling is a sport in which it, it demands discipline. You, you need to be disciplined. You need to be regular. If you miss training or if you're not trained properly in a structured way, then you won't be able to reach uh, where you want to. So following a structured plan, being regular is really important. And obviously being competitive is really important. Awesome. Another yeah. thing is uh, that you should try to uh, train smartly. I see a lot of people doing long distances on and on and on and on. So, and that's not uh, going to take you anywhere. You need to train smartly. If you're training for a 24 hour event, you don't need to do 24 hours to train for it. You can train for it by doing a shorter version of it. Right. And then, you know, extrapolating the same thing over the 24 hour period. So I, I see a lot of people doing 
long, really long rides for training. That's really not needed. You're actually fatiguing yourself. Mm-hmm. So either consult a coach or read more on the internet. <laughs> That's what I would suggest. Yeah. But doing yeah. those crazy long rides for training is not, I would say, uh, necessary. Right. Yeah, a bit of discipline to ride more with intensity goes a long way. Yeah. 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 And it sounds like you have that dialed in pretty nicely for yourself. So I'm glad to hear that. You've accomplished a lot. There's still a lot more on the radar for you. And so we'll be looking out for you on the ultra roads and um, curious to see what else you accomplish. Uh, what's, what's some of the kind of bigger ticket races that you're looking uh, to target over the next couple of years? Uh, the, definitely the, the WTTC, the World Time Trial Championship. That's mm-hmm. definitely on my radar. Or anything which is a 24-hour time trial. I, I have not realized that, you know, 24 hours is something uh, that is kind of my spot. It's not very short. It's not really long, mm. like a multi-day race. Because in, in a multi-day race, there are a lot of different variables that come in. Right. Uh, you have to sleep. Then your crew has to be really good. Mm. There are a lot of different aspects in a multi-day race. But in 24 hours, uh, it, it's also long. It's not short. Yeah. But you don't need to sleep or you know, stop mm. for a long time. So 24 hours seem to be like a sweet spot for me. You don't need a lot of crew as well Mm. because the crew just needs to stay at one point. So there's not much of logistics involved. Uh, Money-wise, it's not very expensive. Mm. So 24 hours races is something that I would be targeting uh, in the next couple of years. So any 24-hour time trial happening around North America that's, cool. that's something I would love to target. And I would imagine even virtually, I'm sure there'll be many more of those offered uh, in the coming yeah. year at least. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to do V-Raw, uh, but I decided against it because I wasn't trained properly at that time. Hmm. I wasn't, I was still, you know, during my training phases where I wasn't in my peak performance. So I didn't want to try that. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you in the virtual world, but also out on the actual roads, especially here in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> Mank, very exciting to chat with you. A couple of sprint round to the uh, finish line questions for you in sure. closing here. First one is, when is your next long training ride? Uh, my next long training ride, I'm, I'm planning to do a half Everest thing. Huh. <laughs> Again, it has to be, it's going to be indoors. Mm. Uh, just like that no nothing in mind otherwise uh, I might do some long rides outdoors till the winter season hits it's mm. uh, yeah I haven't decided where but I will definitely want to do some long rides some six hour long rides outdoors yeah cool now you riding so much especially these long distances you're you're putting a lot of mileage on the bike so how would you rate yourself in terms of bicycle maintenance on a scale of 1 to 10 10 being exceptional uh, so I have worked in a bike store before. <laughs> oh, so I know ins and outs of uh, a bicycle. Uh, so I do my own cool. maintenance. I do everything on my own. So you can say eight on 10. <laughs> That's excellent. 
Yeah. From our conversation, it sounds like you are a very well-rounded cyclist, both in physical and mental capabilities, your level of competitiveness, your intensity, even your, your power profile. And, uh, you know, uniquely bicycle maintenance, because that tends to sit on the back burner for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Mayank, <laughs> you've had a number of bicycles uh, over the years. What is your dream bicycle going forward, or do you already own it? Uh, I would love to get uh, a Canyon Speedmax, which is a TT bike. Hmm. So that's something uh, that I would love to own someday. Yeah, definitely. That'll be cool <laughs> to see you on that. Yeah. Okay, Mayank, last question. Who would you nominate for another episode on the show? Somebody that has inspired you, maybe a role model, maybe a fellow Indian ultra cyclist who you think their story is, is powerful, worth sharing. Uh, I would say Kabir, uh, the guy who, for whom I crewed in Ram, mm-hmm. and he was also a fellow competitor in the 24-hour virtual time trial. Oh, he was. Uh, hearing about his story would be awesome because he and I, we both started uh, uh, into ultra racing at the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, he has achieved a lot more than me. He has won a lot of races, so mm-hmm. it would be nice to learn about him. Where, like, where does he get his motivation from? And uh, what just keeps him going because he's going to attempt Ram once again. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it would be nice to hear from him. Yeah, that sounds great. And it's, it's crazy that you say he's accomplished a lot. And it sounds like you, you're comparing to yourself where you haven't accomplished as much as him. But from everything that we've discussed, it sounds like even in a very short amount of time, you've accomplished a great deal and you're a very strong rider. So <laughs> that would be interesting to chat with him also to see, yeah. you know, uh, all the talent. So he's, done like, he's done like 10 ultra races and uh, he's been on the podium for all of them. Wow. So Incredible. He's definitely a strong rider. And his, even his power profile is similar to me. Hmm. So yeah, he, he's definitely a strong rider. Yeah. So it sounds like not only is there a lot of talent coming out of India, giving the rest of the world a run for their money, but even just amongst yourselves, <laughs> it sounds like there's some healthy competition that's going to keep you, uh, fuel you uh, for the years to yeah. come, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Mayank, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We'll be following your journey and looking forward to having you back on the show for whatever else you end up signing for, especially sure. and all that virtual stuff. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure, Justin. Thanks a lot for having me and uh, yeah, discussing about uh, all my races. And I would love to join you once again in the future. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks a lot. And thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of inspiration. I know I did. And there's a lot of competition out there. So better uh, get up now and hop on your indoor trainer and get some miles in. Maybe not 24 <laughs> hours, but you know, maybe you can start with one or two hours and hope you have some fun out there. We'd love to hear your own story and hope Mayank has given you some fuel for your own training and for your racing ambitions. Try to structure a workout in, try to hop on the trainer. And until then, let's keep spinning ultra, everyone.